Miss TV. Hi, Emily. <laughs> Did you know that's where you are? I hope so. I don't know how how you would click on this by accident. <laughs> so I meant you. Did you know that you're talking? Oh, on the me. Yeah, welcome. Oh, I didn't know that, but I'm equally as <laughs> I'm still so honored to be here. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing good. Well, I love pretending like we haven't talked for an hour before we start recording. It's it's really funny because I just like stare at you the whole time and I'm just like, <laughs> you're like, I'm doing so well. Like we haven't just been chatting. Um, <laughs> how are you? I'm doing good. Oh, I, I didn't tell you this when we were talking. I got some new hair product today that, um, Diana Ross's daughter just started a line. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. But I'll look it up. Um, and I'm really excited to try. Wait, it. as in Tracy Ellis Ross? Yes, Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah. Oh my God, she's so cool. I know. She just started a hairline, and I spent so much money at Ulta today. So I'm <laughs> gonna try all of their new products. <laughs> I love that. You're like, telling me she is. She is like actually. She is like a bad bitch. I love her. I know. Me too. She's so cool. And the lady who worked in Ulta said that they've only gotten like incredible reviews from people who have bought the product. I bet. Like yeah. I don't know. So my for my fellow curly hair friends, um, I don't know. Like my hair like adapts to products after a certain amount of time, and so I'll like change up my routine. Like there's a few things that remain the same, but um, I am changing up my conditioner and my um like curl cream right now. So I'm excited to try it. I love but trying I new th- new products. Me too. It's so much fun. Well, my hair definitely adapts. Like I was using, um, fuck, something's daughter, Carol's daughter uh-huh. for a long time. And I really like their products a lot, but I'm just going to switch it up a little bit. And I was using yeah. Weed Ad Curl Gel. This doesn't mean anything to you, I know. Um, <laughs> for maybe if there's a handful of curly hair people. I love talking about curly hair. So Weed Ad. <laughs> Anyways, Weed Ad. But I just don't, I don't know what it is about, but I don't feel like Weed Ad's nourishing for my hair. I just don't feel like it is, even though it's made for curly hair. Um, mm. So I'm switching it. But Moroccan oil will always be in my life. Yeah, I bet. That's my story. <laughs> love that story. I love that story. I am excited because tomorrow is um, some shitty, stupid holiday, but <laughs> I eat... The, my mom gets these rolls and they're mm. my favorite rolls ever they're like dinner rolls but they're like extra fluffy that sounds so good i'm very excited for that Ooh, i might go buy some hawaiian rolls because that sounds yummy that's what we're eating that's what it is yeah oh, i fucking love hawaiian rolls holy shit yeah they're, they're my favorite slaps. yeah and they go in the oven for like a, a hot sec just mm. to make them like crispy Oh, and then yeah. Do you use them with butter? Or do you use something else? Yeah. Oh, that butter. sounds so good. I'm very I'm excited for that. For sex corner today. I'm really sorry that this turned into being called sex corner. Well, because I think it's like I mean, it's not going to be just about sex. It's just kind of like what I wish a wise old woman taught me when I was a young girl. This is the what I wish a wise old woman taught me when I was a young girl corner. <laughs> Catchy, huh? That's not, that's not too much of a mouthful. It just looks right off the tongue. Easy. Like wise old woman. What I wish Jean Milburn taught me. Uh, <clears throat> this is Jean Milburn's corner. Yeah, well, I mean, why not? Why not? Okay. Anyways, for... <laughs> 
this, this time for this time corner for this time in this space corner we're gonna talk about confidence today we got we have a few questions that people have sent in about this but like two main ones somebody said um i really struggle with body confidence and i was wondering if you lovely people have any advice heart um and then somebody else said It's not exactly a sex question, but my friends are so judgmental about me and my body as I weigh a lot more than them, which makes me feel so shitty and ruins my confidence. So I was wondering if you beautiful people had any tips on how to boost my self-confidence. Well, friends. Well, friends, we do. We have. Can you believe we have something to say? Just when you thought we couldn't stop talking. (laughs) Just when you thought we'd run out of things to say. Another episode. (laughs) Wait, just when you thought we could stop talking. Fuck, I fucked up the joke. No, I think I did. No, no, you, no. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) I want to, okay, can we just, I mean, I have a lot to say that's coherent, but I just, I, hearing you read the second question made me think of something, and I think it might be helpful for this listener. Do it, say it. Um, So, Stevie and I have often talked about how um, we view ourselves mm -hmm. and, like, our size Oh yeah, often. Um, um, it's funny because very. I mean, I think early on, um, before we knew necessarily each other's body types so well, like because we had been talking about it and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, one of us, I think it might have been me. Mm-hmm. I I said that I used to like Kate Winslet, and she was a huge part of my life. Um in high school and everything. And I, as much as she uh, gave me a lot of confidence because of just how she spoke about self-confidence and, you know, self-esteem and all of that, I subconsciously was, you know, a young woman growing up trying to figure out, you know, who I was and my identity and how I saw myself and all that. And so I looked at her and saw that she was a very curvy she was like five foot, I think she's like five foot seven yeah, or she's so. My height. Yeah. And um, yeah, very curvy, like small hourglass shape. Mm-hmm. No one shut the fuck up about her hourglass shape. <laughs> um, and so I um, always thought that that was like the pinnacle of beauty. Mm-hmm. And I thought that um, if, like, I, I could not fathom not having that shape and being considered beautiful or feeling beautiful or feeling feminine. Wild to me. And it's so funny because I looked at women like Jillian who have Jillian's body type and thought like, Oh my God, I, I can't, this is, I saw myself in women like Jillian and I was like, this is, I can't imagine people finding this attractive, which is, can you believe you're saying that now? Which can I, I know. I can't believe I'm saying that now. Cause like, yeah, I mean, I don't, you all know how I feel. About her. Not attractive at all, huh? No, I mean, maybe a little bit, but like, you know, <laughs> I try to keep it you know yeah you control yourself <laughs> anyway so <laughs> so hard to read you are. <laughs> she's bright red <laughs> anyway oh wait yeah and so i so the whole point of that being that i made it um made it a goal of mine to gain muscle to gain weight and i was working out a lot i was eating a lot so that i could 
be bigger so that I could gain more weight. Like 140 was my goal weight. Like I had, and that was up. I was trying to gain muscle and like, in turn gain weight. And like, cause I just felt, um, and we've talked about this before, but I felt like an infant. Like yeah. I felt in public, I, and that contributed to a bunch of other things, but like, I felt like if I had, um, more on me that I could take up, I would feel more comfortable taking up space. Mm-hmm. And so I told Stevie that, and then... And I was like, what the fuck? Because (laughs) I had the opposite experience in nearly every way. Because I come from... My grandmother and my mother are two very, very stunning women who are both very petite. Um, And I'm not... I'm much more curvy. I'm taller than them both. I'm very close to keeping some falling body type. (laughs) And I I loved... um, Stevie Nicks when I was young because it's who I was named after and I was just like I, I still idolize her I love her but um and looking at her and like my mom and my grandmother every bit of me thought that I needed to be smaller to be attractive like I was working on shrinking myself down not taking up that much space and I just felt like I needed to be smaller in every way and I couldn't understand how anybody could find somebody that that looked like me attractive and then Emily and I found ourselves talking about this that we wanted to be each other because and so it's like the point is is that what the things that you hate about yourself somebody else wishes that they had exactly even though i truly i still have a hard time believing it even though i hear you talk about it all the time yeah i like can't wrap my brain around wanting to be bigger because i've tried so long to be smaller yeah and so it, it's it's truly and it's like and my confidence fluctuates big time it's like absolutely sometimes i feel like the baddest bitch alive and then sometimes i feel like a little rat tittering around (laughs) (laughs) a little mouse crawling out of the walls yeah and it's hard because on the days where you're not feeling good I can't imagine feeling good like I can't imagine feeling the other way and then on the days that I feel really good I can't really remember how bad it is to feel bad totally like so it's a very finicky thing for me and I think that that comes from the fact that we're brought up in this patriarchy that makes young girls feel like they're never fitting the proper mold. Like you're either too big, oh, yeah. you're too small, you're too slutty, you're too much of a prude. There's this perpetuated notion that the epitome of beauty is this it's white, ethereal, not too skinny, not too curvy woman that's impossible to achieve. And and in the conversation around beauty standards being specifically white is a definitely a larger conversation. Um, but the point yeah. is, is that we exist in a patriarchy that thrives off us feeling like it's impossible to love ourselves. And so... Well, because it's like, and just two things, it's like, I think going back to what you said about how it fluctuates is I think... Um, to, you just have to accept that it does yeah. Um, and accept that that confidence will come and go. I think even when I'm struggling with self-confidence, I'm struggling to recognize that it's there. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling to recognize like how smart I am or how cute I am or whatever. It's never an issue of struggling to like harness that or to like take ownership of that because I already, you already have it. It's just a matter of like whether there are some days where you recognize that and some days where you don't. And I think that that has been a really important distinction for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So there, there are days where I question that, but I know that they are truth. So 
you know i mean something Um, that helps me is that i'm really stubborn and kind of bratty at my core so reminding myself that by hating myself i'm just helping the stupid idiotic men in power maintain this gross patriarchal standard helps me find love for myself because i'm doing it in spite of them like realizing that there's no bigger rebellion than choosing to love yourself in a world that wants us to hate our flaws because insecurity sells products um Sometimes that helps me, but then some days it doesn't work and and, and it doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. I'm like, oh, I don't give a fuck. I still hate myself. <laughs> and yeah. so it's just being conscious of negating those feelings of insecurity, of not being enough, of being too much and reminding myself the things that I love about myself. Like I seriously, I have a list of things that I do love and the beginning of my list and like at the beginning of me making that list, it was non-existent. Like I didn't have anything. Yeah. And so I made up three things that I didn't necessarily like per se, but I could deal with okay. And now not only do I genuinely love those initial three things, but my list is expanded and there's a ton of things that I love about myself. And I can list those off in my head whenever I'm critiquing everything else. And it helps me get out of that headspace a little bit. Yeah. Um, so and then just the second thing before, cause I don't want to get too far from it, oh, but I do want to say it. No, 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 it's okay. Um, is that, um, it true. Like it's easier. All of this is easier said than done, but it's yes. like the reality is, is that once you, tr- once you recognize that the reason like you can never win, basically in terms of bodily confidence, like, and insecurities and all of that, like you will never get to a point if you are, um, letting the external voices, uh, override your internal voice, you will never win because the, the only reason our society is able to function is because they are constantly changing the standards of beauty. Mm-hmm. Like that is how it, mm-hmm. that is how it thrives. So because we live in a capitalistic society. So and like the fact that body types are trends is fucking wild when you think about it. Totally. Like, what? And so, and it's like, so in order for capitalism to work, there there can't be a state of of complete and utter happiness. Mm-hmm. Because then once you've reached that, you no longer need to buy things to achieve something else. So like that so I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Um, because it is constantly changing. And the fact that it's constantly changing is proof that there truly is no standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's true. Like so, I think reframing, and I know Stevie, you know, you and I have talked about this. Like mm-hmm. reframing it as because I know you've struggled a lot with like we talk a lot about a lot about body type. Yeah. It's like reframing that and like mm-hmm. getting out of the fact that it's like you have to fit a mold, or it's like you have to become a confident. Type that you have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a certain body type that you may or may not have. It, it, doesn't matter I mean there's that's fruitless I you have a body yeah like there's no that's why like that's why like but I understand like why every single thing around us reinforces that you have to fit into a type right like literally from the simplest thing of like buying pants like realistically there isn't going to be something where it's extra small through whatever or double zero or triple zero through through double x like that doesn't exist because literally every single body is different Mm -hmm. so the fact that 
we go shopping and it's like we can't we might not even fit this is a huge rant but it's like Mm -hmm. we might not even fit into um an item of clothing that is like pre-sized yeah when every single body is different it's like it's yeah it was that breaking things down like that you recognize like why you feel that way of course because like I said it's reinforced at every single turn but then you start to realize like you know I'm not the only one who who has this issue exactly and it's like if pants don't fit you it's a problem of the pants not you yeah what was that thing that that girl at your work said yeah she was like she was looking at a pair of jeans or something and she was like oh no like my body wouldn't like these jeans very much yeah it was like it's if a pair of pants don't fit, fit you, then like fuck the pants, not you. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's whoever made them fucked up, not you. Like totally, hundred percent. Just like as a baseline, like there truly is no place in a capitalistic patriarchal society for a confident woman, mm. because the mm. second you recognize that you don't exist to be looked at or to be desired or to be pleasing to look at. Or to not be too smart, like you can no longer be controlled. And so like once you've once you've recognized all of that, like you are free. So it's like really? right be right, because like all the cornerstones of capitalism, which we which I said, have been um dismantled. So like they can no longer convince you that you aren't good enough. Mm-hmm. And like that is their linchpin. And that I, I made a little metaphor. It's like that's like their Wilson, you know, like the, from the movie Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What is it? I was just going to say Free Willy. No, what movie is that? Castaway. <laughs> like without without that like figmentary, elusive narrative mm-hmm. they've established that their survival is riding on, they can't exist. So the like CB said, the man like thrives when you hate yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you're constantly in a state of questioning yourself, it ultimately always goes back to the fact like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like when you when it most things female, and most things non-binary, and most things non-straight cis men, white man, like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So you might as well just like fuck around and do whatever you want. Exactly, exactly. And it's like on days that. Because like I said earlier, sometimes the the act of acting out of rebellion against the patriarchy helps me get out of that headspace. But some days it really doesn't. Like I I still, it's still all consuming. And so actively reframing has helped me a lot. And Emily, this is something that you've showed me in a lot of different ways. But like one thing that I did differently is that now instead of saying I feel fat today, I say I'm having a bad body image day. Oh yeah. Which is- Did I send that to you? Maybe I think you did. Either you did, or I saw it on Florence's. Some, I don't remember I meant, who it was. I was gonna say because I meant to send that to you. If I didn't, yeah, I don't remember. You probably did, but that's definitely something that I'm consciously saying now. And then also, there's something that you've helped me with as well. But it's like thinking about my body objectively. So like when I'm having a bad body image day, I try to remind myself, um, and you often remind me of this too, that like my body does so much for me. Like not only has she been through a shit ton but she deals with the unhealthy shit I put her through and she is Mm. constantly doing so much for me literally every single day and separating myself and my emotions and looking at my body like that as this incredible, powerful vessel that is keeping me alive has helped me a lot too. Yeah. 
So for the person who said that your friends are judgmental about you and your body because you weigh more than them, which makes you feel shitty, like not to be harsh, but you need to find new friends. Yep. Like it, it comes <laughs> down to that because I've definitely had friends to where um, they've made me feel shitty about my body and body type because it's different from theirs. And th- wh- why surround yourself with that energy? Like it, it, it's doing nothing but harming you. It's not like your friends are supposed to lift you up and warm you like the sun. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> not to quote Stella Gibson, but it's true though, because Emily, you no stop thinking about Stella for a second and listen to me. Stop. Separate. You got it. I'm sorry. I brought her up. Listen. No, listen. I was at work. I was at work yesterday <laughs> and like in a literal moment of sheer gay panic i texted stevie and i was like we need to rewatch the fall can we please rewatch the fall it was so urgent i was like it was the most urgent text i think i've ever sent in my life i like needed to know <laughs> anyway um but the point is is that your your friends are supposed to lift you up that is what the purpose of having friends is is to support and love you and like emily i know like in our friendship you help me with my body image so much in the sense that you constantly make me just feel perfect and ethereal and like like a goddess and I hope that I do the same for you because it's just like that's how you should treat your friends yeah and and if your friends aren't treating like that then they're not friends by definition yep and you do make me feel like that always like literally always and I think the thing that Stevie and I like the most about each other like this friendship is that We've said so many times that we've pointed out things about each other that we don't even recognize ourselves that like have become our favorite bits about ourselves. Yes, fully. Um, And that's amazing. And so it's like any friends who who hate to see you succeed are, are not your friends. Yeah. And I know we've said this before, but like I say this to myself very very often because I think it was like so revolutionary for me um but other people's shame is not yours to carry Mm. um like people are going to shame you for your body they're going to shame you for your sexuality for any part of your identity the clothes that you wear like what job you want to do what you're passionate about and it's like that is in its most fundamental form, only a reflection of the person saying those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we've talked about this, but tr- them trying to bring you down to their level of like compl- of of stagnancy and unhappiness, um, and um, it's like if you feel you you should never feel. Um, you should never feel like you're in a place of judgment about anything when you're in a group of people who you call, especially ones that you call your friends. Yes. Um, and if you feel like you can't, you, the way that you should feel with your friends is you should feel like you can look in the mirror and say, I look so hot today and know that they're going to support you and hype you yes. up. Yes. Just as much as you are yourself. Yep. Exactly. Um, it's exactly what it is. And it's like, your friends judging you because your because your body looks different than theirs reveals much more about their insecurities than it does about anything that has to do with you. Oh, absolutely. It has nothing to do with you. That's just it's just revealing that they're coming from a place of insecurity and shame, like you said. That's literally all it is. 
it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt, but you you need oh, to surround no. yourself with people that that lift you up and make you feel good. And I think too, like just as um, for tips for self confidence tips, it's like I just truly drown myself in women who don't give a fuck. Like Florence Given has been a huge source of that for me, and we can like add some other people too mm-hmm. that I follow, um, but both online and real life and yeah. in real life. Um, uh, and people who make me question things about myself that bring me happiness, or I unfollow them immediately. Like I take yep. that presence out of my life. Um, and and I know again, that's a little more complicated in real life, but it's just as necessary. It's more complicated, but it's it, exactly it's not more necessary. Yeah, more necessary, and it's also like being honest with someone is the nicest thing you can do for them. So mm-hmm. if you go to someone and you say, you make me feel like shit about my body and I don't feel safe in this space. So I'm, I can't have you in my life anymore. And I know that's really hard for you to hear, um, but I need to go where I'm celebrated and not tolerated. That's Literally say that to them. They will not know what to do with themselves. Just think about the fact that it's like people are, co- people who are constantly trying to um, dim your light, like, how powerful is the thing that you have that people are trying to make you forget about it or that people are trying to make you change it? Like what you have is so um, inherently powerful that people are trying to constantly break it down. It's like that should tell you. That should tell you how beautiful it is and how powerful what you have is. So it's like, like, again, not to quote Florence, but like – be like fill out every single fucking square inch of you and like own it and let the people who have a problem with that choke mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's it yeah again this is like such a larger conversation um but your confidence will be misconstrued for everything but confidence mm-hmm. um because that's what we like to do to women <laughs> um so just be exactly how you are um be as smart as you are be as beautiful as you are um and be a and be a bitch about it hell yeah and that's all we have to say (laughs) and that's about it and like on days where you feel like shit like lean into that it's okay just know just know that it is just know that the confidence is in you. It's mm-hmm. just harder to recognize that on some days than yeah, others. It, because I feel like I get into the headspace often to where if I'm feeling a certain way, particularly when I'm feeling bad, I think that this is permanent. I'm like, this right, is how I'm exactly. going to feel forever. I was like, remember that one day I felt good about myself, never going to feel like that again. And that's not true because it always comes back. It always totally. fluctuates. It always changes. Everything is ever-changing. Everything passes. Everything's moving. It's, this it's, too shall pass. This too shall pass. Not to say that in every fucking episode, but it's true and it will. Even if it feels painful and horrible and eternal in the moment, it will pass. It, that's why and we, it, have, that's, and we have proof of that for our Jillian's Corner. We do. Um, and, and I think that's why it's all the more important to surround yourself with people that can support you through the times where it's hard. Um, Absolutely. And not add to it, not add to your yep. pain. And I think too, just one last thing is like something that I found has helped me is two things. One is um, doing things that ground me that are beyond the physical. So, so like watching my favorite show, like a comfort show or watching like a comfort movie or doing something that I am really good at, like 
I'm not saying I'm really good at embroidering, but like that is something that I can put out. Thank you. That's something that I can put out that I can be like, holy shit, my hands, like my hands made this. Like Mm -hmm. this is something that I was able to do. Um, And like dancing. Yeah. Putting on a really cute outfit, like just feeling. And I was just going to say, focusing on a feeling rather than perception has really, really helped me. Like focusing on how you feel doing something or how you feel in something Mm -hmm. um, or how you feel in a moment, like whatever, rather than how other people are perceiving you or how you look or how, you know, because I think that like that's, and again, that gets into like a whole male gaze conversation, but it's like focusing on how something makes you feel. Yeah. And like, for me, I'm like a a hardcore journaler. Like I've been journaling since I was probably like eight years old. I have boxes and boxes of journals. Um, And so physically writing down things that I love about myself really helps me, even if I'm not believing it when I'm writing them down. Like I could Mm -hmm. write, like I have the best legs in the world, even if I'm hating my thighs (laughs) on that day. Um, Yeah. And and it helps make that a reality for me by really writing it down, not to say like I'm manifesting shit, but like the, like the more that I write it and repeat that to myself, the more that I start to believe it. And like, like you were saying, doing things that makes you, that make you feel good and that you feel like you're good at, like, this is so random, but like on days that I feel really shitty, I put like extra time into my hair routine. Like I like do a, like, I like really, I like, I wash it, I deep condition, I do my products. I like, because it's something that I know that I like, like fairly consistently. And like, that makes me feel good. So leaning into self-care and self-care changes, self-care could be anything. Self-care could be yep. going out for French fries and masturbating in your bathtub. No, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot you did that. <laughs> I'm just like, great idea. You're like, so smart. It could be that. It could be watching your favorite show in bed. It could be doing a face mask. It could be doing a workout. It could, it could be, be going painting. outside. It could be shutting all of your windows and not looking at any sunlight for a whole day. It could be whatever makes you feel good. Yep. And meditating. And yeah, literally anything. Could be like changing your sheets. Could be making your bed. Really small things like like doing laundry or something like really small. Yeah. Um, And it doesn't need to be something that's tangibly productive either because I get really locked into that because we live in a capitalistic society that like I have to be being productive at all times. Um, But it, it doesn't even need to be that. It could literally just be something that makes you feel good. And that's all that's important. I think that's it. That's it. Sounds good. Well, and and we love you. Listen. And we love you. And you are so beautiful exactly the way that you are. Like, truly just believe that. Like Yes, you're we, perfect. And guess what? We don't even have to we don't even have to see you to know that. Yeah. Your body is exactly like, how it is supposed to be. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So <laughs> going into the episode, we normally watch the episode the day that we record um and we're recording this episode a few days late so we watched the episode a little bit ago and i haven't gone over my notes so this is gonna be a ride of this is gonna be a ride i don't even know what i have to say (laughs) and how fun to find out what past you thought yeah i don't i don't know if i was um sober when i took these notes i have no recollection so Hmm. let's go on this journey together shall we yeah so welcome to Knock Off Beyond the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is. That has this, to be the title. It has to be. This is Mulder's version. 
It's like this is Mulder's shitty version. It's like, did you ever read that kids um story when you were little, which is the the three little pigs, but like from the wolf's perspective? I don't think so. My favorite one. It was like he's like, this is my story, and he actually just had a cold. He wasn't trying to blow down anyone's houses. Oh my god, no. Yeah, it was like my favorite book, and this is what I feel like that is. It's Mulder being like, well, let me tell my version of how this kind of like storyline would affect me. Anyways, my um, favorite book when I was growing up was those that that those little two gay toads. Oh yeah, I loved those. I can't remember what their names were, but they were definitely gay. Yeah, right? Like, they always had little cardigans on. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Wow. Okay. Um, that was a strange let's tangent. Get in, let's get into David Duchovny's attempt at being as high caliber of an actor as Julian Anderson. It's comical, actually. So we open on, boom, fire. Maybe it's also a knockoff fire. I don't know. <laughs> people, people oh, Chris, Chris Carter co-wrote this. It makes a lot of sense. Just, so people, yeah. People There's are your dying. preface. Yeah, seriously. So people are dying. This priest and a little boy go up to a body bag and they open it. And the little boy lays hands on this burnt corpse and heals him. And he comes back to life. And it's like, wow, eerie. And that's all that happens. Then theme song. <laughs> can, I, can I just say, the the medic, what the fireman yells at the medic. And the medic is like, dude, he's he's dead. What like, the fuck? What do you what want me to do? do? <laughs> He's like, like, what do you mean? Go back over there. He's like, bro, he's dead. He's dead. There's nothing for me to do. <laughs> um, so then theme song. So Mulder and Scully are watching a video from, what is this called? Like a worshiping party? Like I'm so far from religious. This is really not my area of expertise, but it seems like some kind of tent ministry, right? Uh, let's just call it a cult. Okay. We'll call it, they're, they're watching a cult. Um, so Scully pauses, looking precious, to tell Mulder, who's also looking pretty good, that this boy is going to attempt to heal this malignant tumor on this woman's spine by laying hands on her. Um, so the preacher's name is Reverend Calvin Hartley. Mulder has, he Mulder has heard of him. Of fucking course he has. And um, his adopted son, Samuel, who he claims to have found when he was a baby. I love that Scully has brought Mulder this case. <laughs> I know. I love that. I love when she brings cases. But then it's like annoying that he knows about it already, but... I like that. And then ultimately he hijacks it halfway through, but we'll get to that. Um, oh, I have notes about that. Yeah. So Samuel is the kid, right? Yeah. I did a little, your, your ex Christian school, Catholic school girl did <laughs> some, that sounds so wrong. No, I love but it. this, um, uh, anyway, this, the and Catholic, went to Catholic school, so she knows Catholic about this shit. Catholic school girl trope that Scully is always put into has ruined me. Uh, I did some research, because <clears throat> I don't remember shit, from middle school or high school or any of my pre-those um, years, but equally Catholic education. I googled, and Samuel in the Bible means miracle child. Mm. Or no, he is a miracle child. I take that back. Samuel is a miracle child. His mother couldn't have children, and God blessed her with the child Samuel. What the fuck, Chris Carter? Which is just another testament to Chris Carter's weird obsession with miracle children and miracles blossoming in women's wombs. What is that? It's so fucking weird. <sighs> and so Samuel means, like, name of God and tra or translates to, like, God had heard. Okay. I don't know. Just just a fun little tidbit. No, that's good that's... to know because my 
my pagan grandmother definitely <laughs> didn't teach me that. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Samuel and um, the reverend travel and like heal people and that burnt man that the boy um, quote unquote saved in the beginning appears with them as a regular attraction as Mulder says, which seems mildly insensitive. I was going to say I'd miss that now that I'm hearing that that does not sound right. He called he goes he's a regular attraction. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, local authorities have apparently been trying to shut them down for some time and now um, have a murder case against them because of this woman with the malignant tumor who ended up dying. Um, I wish I would like get some kind of warning before Mulder eats sunflower seeds. Anyways. Um, yeah, that needs to come with like a trigger warning. It's like a lot for me. His jaw. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, no. Would that be? No, it wouldn't be. A tr- what would that be? It would be like a content. War- it would be like, M- yeah, like a content warning. Sure, yeah. Content warning. That's the, that's the word. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, anyways. I forgot about that. Rated M for mature, some tongue action. It's just his movements of... Okay, I'm not going to get into it. I'm not. No, please get into it. Just the way that his jaw moves. This isn't called the sex files for nothing. Just like with the the fluidity that his... um, Gotcha. You know? Okay. stroke of his jaw, one might say. say. Please, please, please. Okay, okay, um, I can't go any further. Uh, so Scully That's says that they've <laughs> fuck off. Scully <laughs> says they've requested someone with a medical background to assist the local police in the investigation. She then says, "I know this isn't an X file, but first of all, she doesn't have to ask his permission because they requested her, capital H. But she does this because she's considerate and kind and values him as her partner, unlike somebody else. I won't name fucking names. Molder, Molder, Fox, Molder, and." <laughs> takes us on like it's it's a case meant for him they fucking requested her numb nuts what yep you know what can i say something <clears throat> i had so many issues with this like whole exchange and i couldn't quite articulate them at the time um and you just articulated that so perfectly oh thanks retweet on everything you just said <laughs> that literally it's just it, they requested her and he's like ah yes my new case what? yeah literally yeah yeah and she also yep. doesn't need to ask him permission she can just be like i'm going on a case if you want to come help me you can but like i'm doing this because they requested me exactly like what uh, anyways so they go to the miracle ministry in tennessee scully's face is so plump and pink and perfect and like i'm saying this oh, wow um so anyways we see the sheriff hence my, my silence i know we see the sheriff who is heading the case with his wife who appears to have um some sort of physical disability i have a lot of questions about that later like the point of that like i have a lot point, of questions i mean isn't that isn't that every chris carter episode it was just a isn't weird- that isn't that the whole entirety of his show that he has created yeah you just look at certain things and you're like why what was the point of that what was the why was that added why why <laughs> Mulder and Scully sit in on the the cult ceremony whatever it is <laughs> the reverend apologizes that Samuel can't be there today um but says that he'll be back in two days Scully wants to go backstage and question him because she's a good investigator but mm-hmm. Mulder makes a joke about waiting because this is when Elvis comes out and I'm sorry the look Scully gives him like she scans down his face and is it's it's feral and they're in church Anyways. this entire this entire time she's just staring at his lips I know like, the entire time home girl 
Lower the I was volume. trying I was trying to decipher this more, but all I I tried to type something. I couldn't. I tried again. I settled on <laughs> I settled on look at his lips more, Scully. <laughs> Jesus. God. Um, so the reverend says Samuel will heal you only if you believe. And it's like, okay, we get it. This is all on theme. <laughs> I, 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 I got it. You got it. Uh, they meet with the sheriff and Scully gets the coroner's report. The sheriff is talking about how much. But, um, but just to really drive that point home, they have Mulder say, I want to believe. Just in case you didn't get it. Just in case you didn't get that. Yeah. Fuck God. Chris Carter in his heavy handed clunky ass writing. Swear to God. <sighs> So the sheriff is talking to them about how much money Samuel and the Reverend have, and it's, like, all fucked up and corrupt, and, like, he really doesn't like it. Um, There was no autopsy performed on the body, so Scully says they should have the bodies exhumed. And I really like the word exhumed. And that was my whole note. Um, Nice. Thank you. Academic. I also also hated that... um... When, two things. When they first go... When they first see the sheriff... Yeah. Um, Scully is like literally talking to him, um, but he like doesn't stop walking. And then, of course, when Mulder's big booming man voice speaks up, he stops immediately and turns around and starts talking to them. Yep. And that's both something that happens in real life when you're fucking a woman trying to talk to a man in charge. Um, but also that's like the blocking that they chose. They're like, it doesn't matter when she's talking, but when Mulder talks, we'll stop. And that's fucked up. That's what I mean. Like, this was not a moment of, like, social commentary for them. Yeah, like... <laughs> like, where they were like, we're going to have Scully be talking to him, but he's not going to turn around yet because sexism. It was it was unconscious, which is what's worse. The part of me feels like that was not going through Chris Carter's head. I don't think Maybe. it was. Just a part of me. Probably not. Um, And then also, the sheriff says that they blocked the... um. The request for the autopsy was blocked on religious grounds. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into a rant about the separation of church and state. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. But, like, I am. Because no, it's like, do. believe, and this is, like, very minimal, but, like, believe whatever you want. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it is just that. It is just a belief. Mm-hmm. It's your belief. And there's a reason why we don't let legislation and official government business function based on people's beliefs, because then we'd end up, as we have, with the degradation of other people's basic human rights. Go off. And if your religion believes that abortion is murder, then don't get an abortion. If your religion believes, if your religion doesn't believe in birth control, fine, don't use birth don't control. Use it. Have a million kids don't implement don't implement those things in your life i don't know where the fuck these people get off on trying to insert their chosen way of life into the lives of everybody else to the point where they believe it should be official government legislation that it should be protected by law what kind of weird egotistical power shit is that? Like, being, like, my belief is superior and everyone else should believe it. What the fuck? Exactly. Who and cares? it's like, like, yeah, you might not believe in doing autopsies, but who gave you the moral authority to decide what was best for this woman? Exactly. It, it's, who can and, now no longer decide for herself. Like, yeah. she deserves that closure. She and the other people in her life and the other people who knew her deserve to know how she passed away. Yep. And that is not for you to decide. That is basic, that is basic 
ground rules for morality. And I'll never understand getting all bent out of shape about things like abortion and being like, well, you're going to go to hell if you get an abortion. I'm like, cool, let me go then. Literally, I'll see you there. Like, you're all lucky that I'll be in hell. Yeah. Yeah. Hell hell will be better because I'm there. Yeah, it's going to be a fucking party and you're not invited. Yeah. And like, again, there's great snacks. um, I'm choosing to, I want to go into this career path of like striking down legislation that prevents women from um, having reproductive control. Um, So I won't get into this like a lot, but that is just how I felt in this moment. Of course. Very valid. Very, very mildly scratching the surface, scratching the surface, whatever. I'm so grateful women like you exist. (sighs) Stop. Uh, (laughs) Don't accept it. You're working on no, accepting I accept compliments. No, I accept it, but stop. No. I can do whatever I want. Because <laughs> I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't want to do it. I know. But it's amazing. And it's amazing that no, you I exist. Love you. I love you. So cut to them exhuming the bodies. <laughs> and all of these people literally come out of the woods with canvas. <laughs> and the sheriff is like, fuck. It's the reference fucking group. And they want to stop the sacrilege or however the fuck you say that. And Scully is very <laughs> calm and kind and says, we mean you no disrespect. We are investigating a possible homicide and federal law requires that we do an autopsy. And it's like, look at that communication. Wow. Scully's faith is so odd to me because the guy says grave digging and defiling corpses are mortal sins. And Scully's all chill with that, but like also very religious. And it's, it's just such a fucking convenient faith that only comes into play when it's relevant to the plot. Like it's, we'll get more into that, but. Oh, very much so. And I just want to say too, like the fact, I think. I think you you said this where I can say it now, but like and the fact that this fucking knockoff <laughs> drugstore Zorro actually has ulterior motives and it's just like trying to protect Samuel and doesn't actually give a shit about the religious standards behind <laughs> exhuming bodies and autopsying yeah. a body is just like the perfect metaphor for Catholicism. Yeah. It, yep. They don't actually give a shit about the lives of of the unborn we getting into it yeah they just is that okay yeah oh i agree okay. <laughs> I know. they just care they just care about controlling women's bodies you're correct because if they did give a shit about the life about life if they were truly pro-life then they would give a shit about the millions of children who are in foster homes they would give a shit about the, the children, children who are dying at the, at the border yep like they would give a shit about the fact that no one has um that people die in this country that people go broke in this country trying to pay for health care like yep. cry me a fucking river yeah fuck off capital f and o yep so they leave and have to wait so okay so like they leave and have to wait until they can get a warrant to get the body which seems weird that the group being there was enough to get them to leave like i feel like if, if federal law requires it then you can just keep going Exactly. Um, and it's like also, he says to the knockoff Zorro, he says, we were her family. No, you weren't, my guy. No, you weren't. She's not um, here to confirm it. So. She's dead. Exactly. Yeah. It's pretty bold of you to claim autonomy over her. But then again, like that's pretty in line with the motive of cults and Catholicism and also Chris Carter. So, 
Then they they leave. They that th- that was enough to deter them. They find Samuel in a bar. This he, pack of this this pack of old white people. Of old white people with candles. <laughs> They're like, oh fuck, we gotta go. You guys They're like, guns. we gotta get out of here. <laughs> Um. So then they go fight Samuel in a bar, and he's just been in a fight, and he's all bloody and angsty. So the sheriff is gonna arrest him, and Mulder is like, "Wait, do you have enough evidence? Like, let's maybe not take him. Let's let's cut this young cis straight white boy break." Yeah, and they do. And I just would like to say, <laughs> also, um, I can't remember. I can't again. This was a couple days after we watched this, but I can't remember what's happening. But Mulder is like talking to samuel or he's about to sit down to talk to samuel and scully's kind of off in the back Mm -hmm. and she was like fully chatting up the woman in denim with a red lipstick was she really yes i'll have to rewatch that's and i noticed it because of course you did because because but like yeah (laughs) that's amazing that's it (laughs) so Mulder and scully sit down to talk with him samuel seems very anxious and guilty and self-destructive i find that really you are such a disgrace. I swear to God. He looks like the member of... He looks like a member of fucking InSync. Okay, I don't think he's hot. I just think him all bloody in a bar wanting to, like, fuck shit up is hot. Because I have daddy issues, okay? I'm cutting this out. I am currently that meme of Meryl Streep. But what... What? What do, what do daddy issues have to do with liking the image of a man bloodied and beat up and angsty because i genuinely i'm curious because it's like that thing of of being attracted to men that you know are going to treat you like shit and not actually give you the full amount of attention but wanting to like and then it's also the like wanting to fix broken men okay fair None of it's healthy. Good explanation. Thank you. So Mulder asks um, how Samuel murdered the woman, and he says that his gift had been corrupted because he muddied his faith or something. I don't know. Um, I really like the moment where Scully... <laughs> Who gives a shit? Who gives a fuck? I really like the moment where Scully is like, no, bro, there's something missing from the story. And he's like, do you doubt the power of God, ma'am? And she's like, no. I doubt the no, validity bitch. of your claims. And I was like, yes, bitch. Fucking get him. Yeah, because she's pissed because she's like, hey, I'm not like these people. <laughs> she's like, this is not. Yeah, I know. Um, and so then Samuel talks about how he can see pain in Mulder. As if he couldn't see any in Scully. Her father just died. She'd been sexually assaulted and taken hostage by her ex-boyfriend who then died. But sure, Mulder's the one with the palpable pain. What and also, it just hits me. It just hit me right here that, like, Scully brought this to Mulder because she was like, I'm going to go. They needed a medical... Uh, they needed someone with a medical background, and he's just completely hijacked it. Completely. This this bitch heard, uh, you 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 lost a sibling, and he was like, everyone shut the fuck up. This is my case. Too. He's like, this is about me now. He's like, everyone. Everyone shut the fuck up. Everyone in this bar. I need you to know right now. Um, my sister. He gets up, stands <laughs> on the table. My sister was taken from me when I was a young boy anyone care as if he owned his sister that's a whole other thing that's a whole other thing but then scully was like again like she was like hey they need someone with a medical background so i'm gonna go investigate like was wondering if you want to come and then like cut 10 minutes in to Mulder being like (laughs) this guy being like Mulder, i know you miss your sister (laughs) and Mulder's like what 
it's so annoying so then and like, scully course, scully is fully like oh my god i've had enough of this no, yeah that's literally what i wrote so samuel's like it's an old pain that's never been healed regarding a brother or a sister and scully's like we need to leave like it's time to go and Mulder doesn't want to of course and it's so cringy and awkward because he's like it's so cringy because he's like tell me about me and i'm like yeah be less like this, about it. this man has possibly killed someone yeah. and Mulder's like no Mm, don't arrest him yet my sister <laughs> literally and like let's say samuel fixated on scully or imagine that she gave boggs half the amount of obvious attention and credit that Mulder does to yeah this moment it would be a nightmare Mulder would be screaming at her like you're so gullible what's wrong with you and she'd probably get assaulted in some way and the yep. other would just end with her realizing how wrong she was for existing but instead Yep. Imagine Scully going up to Boggs and being like, tell me about my daddy issues, please. I need to know. Why am I like this? If it was Mulder in that situation when Boggs started singing Beyond the Sea, Mulder would have turned around and straddled him and been like, I'll give you a lap dance if you tell me about my sister. Like, 100%. <laughs> and instead she ran out because she's... <clears throat> okay. Anyways. Knock off Beyond the Sea. Yep. So also, I hate, you're so right that it was just so cringe and so awkward because when, when they leave, like Scully is framed as acting like the mother who's ruining Mulder's attempt to find the truth. And um, they frame it as like her care for him and not wanting to see him hurt by his trauma is obstru as obstructing the case. As if she, as if, as if she would do that. As if she's not the only one with the case in mind in the fourth. Exactly. Like, Always. Always, but especially when Mulder's fucking sister's brought up. The second anyone brings up a goddamn sister, Mulder's like, I don't care who dies. I don't care. He's like, I don't yep. care about the case. Tell me about it. Like, fuck, dude. Scully's nose is really stuffy in this scene, and it's really cute. Oh. Scully, Jillian's nose. Oh. Um. Okay, so they're in the court. They set the bill for Samuel. He can pay it and get out. And then Locust fill the courtroom and everyone runs out. So cut to Scully erotically examining the Locust while Mulder recites some biblical entry. And she's like, come on, this doesn't constitute a plague. And she also says smorgasbord, which I felt like was important <laughs> to note. Um, and then she's like, does this have to do with your sister and what Samuel said at the bar? And he flat out doesn't answer her and instead gives her some case files of people that Samuel has healed. And Scully then entertains the notion because she's open-minded and lovely and smart and um, is like, why would he want to kill the people if he could? Fair question. And for, then, for, for, someone, for someone who makes everything about his sister, he sure did not want to talk about her right here. I know. Because you know she's gonna call him out on his shit. Exactly. He's like, I don't want to hear it. You mm. mm. don't want my sister. Mm. Every every Mulder centric episode is just him throwing a temper tantrum, it's which we've already established. But like, although I shouldn't even say that because he was throwing a temper tantrum and beyond the sea. So every episode is just Mulder throwing a temper tantrum. It's really long. Remember that episode you brought theme music for it out? That was honest. I don't think I will ever top that moment. That was so funny. I think that was my best moment. You've so already too. seen it. So then the reverend like summons them via the burn man. 
which was weird. And then they go to his office, and the Reverend is like, I need your help. Samuel's innocent. If you saw him confess in the court, no, you didn't. Um, and they aren't, they aren't super buying it, so the Reverend invites them to the ministry that night, and Mulder then just runs out of the office because he sees a little girl standing outside the window we, who we assume looks like Samantha. And then Scully comes out and is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And he's like, it's the girl. And Scully makes a joke about him seeing a model, Jessica Hahn, which I never caught before. Um, and then he's like, no, Scully, I'm serious. I saw my sister. And Ah, uh, yes. Whatever. Another episode hijacked by Mulder's unresolved trauma over his sister that he refuses to go to therapy for. Here's the thing. Like, does he really think that this little that he's gonna that the little girl is his sister and he's gonna run out and find her because his sister would be older? Like I don't. It's yeah. Clearly a hallucination. Hmm. Whatever. So, um, cut to the ministry. The burnt man is welcoming the families and walk and welcomes a specific woman named Margaret in, and he says he'll put in a good word that um she's seen that night. This episode creates a storyline of a man taking advantage of the most desperate people. Which is ironic, considering Chris Farter's manipulation of Scully's fertility and repeated plot lines revolving around infertility and IVF do the same fucking thing. But this episode's actively criticizing somebody for doing it while they're actively... I just... Anyways. Well, because it's like... Because it's the same thing as um, someone calling out the misogyny or racism is worse than the actual misogyny or racism. Oh my God, you're right. It's that, it's that, it's that concept. It's like you have no absolute, they have absolutely zero to negative foresight to, and and have no concept of self-awareness to even recognize that that is, that that's what they're doing. That's so true. Thank you for clarifying that for me because I was literally pulling my hair out over it. No, yeah. I mean, because it's like they, and it's also the, the reality that, that the framing is different, right? So it's like Chris Carter and his entire narrative um, honed in on taking advantage of, of women, of denying women of bodily autonomy. It's a different, it's a different state of vulnerability. Mm Mm-hmm. When you look at it from the perspective of, and I'm sure this is how he was looking at it, from the perspective of um, a good Catholic man who was genuinely trying to help people, yeah. who was who was um, hijacked by a an evil force. You, you know what I mean? Like that's how he was looking at it. He yeah. wasn't looking at it as um, someone taking advantage of the most vulnerable people. That's not how he was looking at right. it. This is like a hero story for him. <sighs> Samuel's the hero. That's a good point. Okay, so Samuel doesn't want to go out there, but the Reverend... That's, that's like the closest I can get to deciphering Chris Carter's mental state. Oh, that was really good. So Sam- if that made any sense. It did. That totally. That was exactly... You articulated it perfectly. Retweet. And you have, to, you have to explain this part to me because my note says, I just got up to eat some cake, so I don't know what just happened. <laughs> Mm, I want cake. Me too. Okay. So Samuel doesn't want to go out there, but the- <laughs> No. What? No, no, don't. No. No, I'm not going to. Okay. Samuel doesn't want- Stop. Can you take a minute? <laughs> I'm good. Let's go. Continue. <laughs> so Samuel doesn't want to go out there, but the Reverend and Burnman convince him to go, so they do. 
Scully and Mulder arrive. Scully is in yet another ribbed shirt. Amazing. So Burnman speaks. Mulder sees his sister again. And just as Samuel comes out, um, Mulder fucking dips. And Scully's like, Jesus fucking Christ. So Samuel starts touching people in the front row. That sounds wrong. But <laughs> I said, this is what it feels like. Anyone who did not go to a Catholic school who wanted that experience, this is what it feels like. <laughs> You hand over your money, and they indoctrinate indoctrinate you with shame. Yeah. And so then Mulder's... So Samuel's touching people. Mulder's frantically running through the crowd. This is all so hectic. He Samuel fixates on Margaret, of course, and has her pray with them. And then she starts convulsing. Samuel looks horrified. Scully runs through the crowd because she's a fucking medical doctor. Um, and, then, yep. and then Margaret dies. So, cut to the burn man trying to convince a crowd to make them keep the body intact, as if the crowd has any say in what this family's decision is. So, but Scully's a fucking bad bitch and talks the family into letting them investigate and do an autopsy. And I love this scene. Like, I love when, when she... I just wrote, I love when she speaks. <laughs> that was it. I thought there'd be more. Um, I agree. Here we go. Welcome to the of Virgin Mary Scully. This scene is precious because she's precious, but it's cut by this weird introduction to her faith, which is literally just Chris fucking Farter maintaining her sexlessness by associating her with something that makes her seem quote-unquote pure. And it's literally just the basis for her journey to becoming the tortured Virgin fucking Mary. And it's annoying, but her smile is precious, so... Yeah, so her and Mulder are having a conversation. Um, she's They're talking about the families and whatever. And then she says that she was raised Catholic and that this isn't actually how all people are or whatever. So it's just like the, re- the revelation that she's fucking religious. And then she talks about The Exorcist being her favorite movie. And like The Exorcist is scary. Why would that be her favorite movie as a Catholic? But whatever. She says the devil never, they don't, the ne- devil never steals a show. That's what happens, right? I didn't actually write this down. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. The entirety of the show is that Scully is like just shy or like just misses seeing something happen and therefore is unable to believe. Right. Right. Yes. Or that, that something goes so fundamentally against the law of science that she's unable to believe or that she is forced to reconcile with the fact that she has seen, but is afraid to believe and is afraid of how that will challenge all everything that she knows, everything that she knows to be true. Right. Her medical basis, her scientific reasoning. Sea beyond the sea, yes. So where did this Catholicism characterization come from? I don't understand. It makes no sense. And I, CB and I had a conversation as I was watching this because I was struggling with this so severely. I was like, this entire scene is ruined because this characterization really kind of like makes it it is brought to a head i would say like in this scene you're like forced to reconcile with this and like forced to approach this as a viewer Mm -hmm. um and it's exactly what stevie said like she said it so perfectly it's truly the way for chris carter to at at her core make scully his virgin mary yeah and it's just to maintain purity exactly because in his fucking head, a woman having sex who's not who's impure can't be taken Absolutely. seriously. Absolutely. And it all ultimately just goes back to this male gaze, right? Like, and everything is – like, uh, the Margaret Atwood quote, like, everything is about a male fantasy. Everything is a male fantasy. Mm-hmm. 
And Scully is like simultaneously strong enough to take what is just dished out to her and too weak to do anything about it. That Margaret Atwood quote, quote lives in my head of rent free. Huh. And that is embodied through her belief and her willingness and her ability to believe, mm-hmm. right? Like Chris Carter lives vicariously through his characters and it translates into this show making no fucking sense. Yeah. So just to make this abundantly clear, can someone be in medicine or be a doctor and also have faith? Yeah. Absolutely. But the way it translates to Scully as a skeptic is the inconsistency. If you're going to play her into a trope, then then you need to play into that trope. Like, it doesn't... This isn't... She's a, she's a skeptic. She's skeptic of the very same things in the X-Files that God tells in the Bible. Right. Right? Like, the stories that are in the Bible are what she is investigating in the X-Files in real life in one shape, form, or way. Right, and I feel like this works when later on they have her questioning her faith because totally. that makes sense. But she always, Naturally. But, but in the end, she always comes back to it because she has to maintain that, that virginal Mary fucking spot. Exactly. And so when, I was t- when Stevie and I were trying to work through this, for me mostly, I was like, <laughs> I was really like, talking this through so it's like religion requires a certain level of resigned plausibility right like there's no proof of god um at least not proof in the form that scully requires for ghosts and fucking tree monsters so why is a woman who is unable to believe in those things so willing to suspend that scientific rationalization when it comes to religion Right, like this, this would have to be the thought process right. that you would have to go through as Chris Carter. But he said, "Fuck it, I'm going to make her a simultaneously virgin, virginal Mary woman, and also the how bad can a good girl get Catholic school girl?" Yep, that about sums it up. And it's like that kind of resigned. Would you say resigned plausibility? Resigned. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. That kind of resigned plausibility. Why wouldn't Mulder believe in God? That exactly, exactly. Because he literally just wanted to flip the trope, but didn't want to put any extra thought into it. And this fit the purity like mold for her, so he was like, "Perfect, that'll work." But like, actually, hurt my brain. Because Mulder, if if he's <laughs> if he's staying consistent in that characterization, would would not be so viscerally opposed to religion the way that he is. Exactly, exactly. It's just to flip it, the trope, but it doesn't really make any sense. And then, like, ultimately. I think where I think where both of us like you know where this and I think looking at the rest of the series like where this makes the most sense is like it absolutely is about this virginal facade because she wears a cross around her neck every single day to remind everyone that she'll wear a cross around her neck because that won't stop her from being down on her knees if that's what you want right like it's this trope of how bad can a good girl get with a cross right there to remind everyone it's actually really gross it's so gross it's really it's vile and it's like men aren't able to see women in a way that isn't sexual yeah this is like where my mind was going like i broke this down and i tried to run with it but that is ultimately where i came to it's like that's why men don't show women they don't find fuckable the least bit of respect because respect is flirting to them 
it's reserved for women they find appealing. So this cross that she wears around her neck serves as a tag of sorts. Like it's a permission for men to fantasize at all times about how bad she can get. And it's like, and Chris Carter trying to maintain her sexlessness and purity through this religious storyline, like not this one in the episode, but like her religious plotline, he's still actively looking at her in a sexual light because that's what it's coming to. Even like, it's truly vile. Like it's vile. Yeah. Like by doing that, he's still looking at her in a sexual light because that's what it boils down to. Yep. Okay. And then, like, the whole, we'll get into this, like, obviously when it happens, but, like, the whole transfer of her cross necklace from her to Mulder and the fact that he fucks someone else while he's wearing her necklace and then he gives it back, like, that, oh, I could write a whole entire fucking thesis on how fucked up the presence of that cross necklace is. Truly. It's actually disgusting. She gives that necklace to her daughter that gets killed that was created without her knowledge. Yep. Oh, fucking yak. Okay. Isn't that? Oh, that, God, that's so disgusting. So disgusting. So yeah. So then Scully says, "God never lets the devil steal the show." Mm-hmm. She sounds ridiculous. As and a if, scientist like, who was brought on because of her medical background, that exactly. is her That is her reasoning for why Samuel can't murder, can't be committing murders. That God doesn't let exactly. devils steal the show, not because and you like. Don't, like if and if like this made any sense at all, Mulder would be like, "Do you hear yourself? What what do you? This would be like the biggest breakthrough in his, in his collective, mind. yeah, one year to, almost together. Like, wh- because she's finally believing in something, but instead he's still going against her because it's just that budding like." Ugh. And it's annoying. It, the, it's ultimately beyond all of these larger things. It's most annoying to me because it ruins this really intimate moment between them. I know. That's so sweet. And like, I love that Scully's favorite movie is The Exorcist because it's so graphic and unpleasant. Like, that's so hot because it's so <laughs> unlike her and it's not what you would think. Yeah, but like this and- <laughs> very much uh, usurps that moment. Because, like, just imagining little, like, baby teenage Scully watching that movie while fucking her brother and Melissa probably, you know, and her sister probably, like, were covering their eyes and she was just sitting two inches away from the screen, like, Mm -hmm. loving every second of it. That makes me really happy. But it's ruined. It's okay. You can can live in that. We've called it out so you can enjoy the moment. So you've earned it. Okay, I think I like. I'm comfortable with it being a characterization that like it's her favorite movie. You know, yeah. Yeah. like not thinking of it that it happened in this context. Yeah, that's very fair. Okay, so then um, Scully is talking. It's it's continuing this conversation. Scully's talking to Mulder, and she says that boy really has you going, doesn't he? And he's like, mm, Why would you say that? Literally. And, and then she's like, Maybe you just want to see her. And he's like, I've seen her twice. Like, bro, you're seeing a child. It's clearly, like... It's frustrating uh, because, like, she... This is, like, a level of intimacy, I think, that we haven't seen between them yet. Yeah. It's, like, very... Like, they're both speaking very softly. and Very close. She's, like, trying to get in, and she's, like, clearly bringing this up. She knows that it's going to be uncomfortable for him. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, it was, it was like, I felt like I shouldn't be watching. Yeah, it was very intimate. Um, and then all I could think about is how she, uh, Jillian was pregnant here. 
Okay. Well, that was 100% not necessary, but I'll let it slide. Put it in the notes. So then Scully says, imagine a miracle and you're halfway there, which is one line that I actually really like. Um, yeah, I like that line too. So then, then Scully does the autopsy. She looks so pretty, even in all Scully and Scully. So pretty. Okay, okay, okay. Here's another thing where they have the woman weigh 107 pounds. I made a note of that too. Okay, so like this woman was petite, yeah, but she was very tall, and it just seems a bit low to me. It always very tall. Low. Yep. 107. I know. Okay. No. This shit pisses me off. Okay, we talked about that before. I think. Yes, we have. Yep. Okay, so then Scully discovers that um, the woman died, Margaret, died from a poison. And Mulder is like, breaks some rule to get it done before morning and then leaves. Cool. (laughs) So where is he going? She doesn't know. Cut to Mulder visiting Samuel in the prison. Um, He's like, I got you released. But Samuel doesn't want to go because he's angsty and feels guilty. And Mulder is like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pretend to care for a minute. But then like, tell me about my pain again. Yeah, here we have Mulder getting hot-headed because of his sister again. He just sounds like he's uh lost it. Like he's like, is she alive? And I was like, bro, that clearly wasn't her go-to therapy. Mulder go to therapy could be the name of the episode. Yeah, he clearly, he sounds like a crazy person. Yeah, so like, Samuel won't answer him, so he gets mad and leaves, stomps right out of the whole prison. Funny how annoying it is people don't answer your questions. Um, mm. So he, uh, Mulder runs into the sheriff who is like, nah, 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 I hate Samuel, let's charge him. And then Samuel gets murdered, and it's sponsored by the police. Mm. To the sheriff's house. His <laughs> wife is trying to get the door, but the sheriff is like, no, let me. What, just, what was the point of having the sheriff with a wife with a disability? Like, I don't get I it. No idea. So, I get more into it later, but, like, so the preacher boy dies. Samuel dies. Why did I say preacher boy? I've been saying his name the whole time. <laughs> Samuel dies. Because that's, what they, because that's what they call him, because I started singing oh, that okay. song. Oh. Oh, yeah. The only boy who could ever teach me was a son of a preacher man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Reverend is furious. Um, the sheriff is indifferent because he sanctioned it. Mulder mm-hmm. is daydreaming and Scully's beautiful and present and kind. Um, so burn man is like, Reverend, you got to tell the people so that they, um, you got to tell the people that Samuel's dead. So they leave to go do that. Mulder's hair finally looks hot again. And I was just really excited about it, even though he's been mm-hmm. pissing me off the whole episode. Just like, it's been some bad hair episodes. So I, that was uh, exciting for me. That's interesting because I thought his hair looked horrible. <laughs> it did until this last bit. Like, it was just this one scene. The rest, okay. it looked like shit. So cut to the courtroom again, and Scully's like, what exactly are we trying to find? And he goes, clues. And her O is remnant of Stella's I know what fine art is in the fall. And, like, you fucking go, girl. Be annoyed, even if the writers won't let you. I'm sorry. Did that fuck you up? I think Emily's gone. Did you see that? It's true. It is, though. And, and, and my it clearly... My, can what? my... Oh, my God. Can my brain shut the fuck up for five seconds? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry I brought up Stella twice. But that just made me happy because it clearly wasn't something that was scripted, but she was acknowledging the fact of how fucking stupid that line was. I love that. Now I have to go back and watch it. Yeah. So... Again. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, they go to the roof and find where the locusts were staged. 
Cut to Burn Man, very sweaty, having a bad dream. He sees the ghost of Samuel, who is like, why did you do this? Why did you hurt all those people? Turns out this is all in his head, and he's dreaming, because Mulder and Scully show up with a warrant for his arrest, and they find him tossing and turning just before he dies. Um, turns out he killed himself with the same poison that he'd been using to kill other people, and he says some weird fucking monologue about life and death and not wanting to be who brought back. It? Who gives who a cares? fuck? Whatever he dies, and he's terrifying looking. Cut to the um, necessary end of episode summary. Summary, fuck me. Cut to the necessary end of episode summary by Dana Catherine Scummery. <laughs> no summary, more like scummery. Yeah, She's, seriously, seriously. She sums up that Leonard Vance, who's Burn Man, was actually the murderer, and she says that while Mulder sadly looks at a picture of his sister, whatever, for uh, the fiftieth time. Yeah, Scully looks so cute in her little vest. Her vest. Oh my god. I know. That's a wedding outfit. Aw. <laughs> Cute. Okay, so Mulder comes over and says Samuel's body is suddenly missing from the morgue. And I feel like the episode should have ended already. Like they should have just ended it there. 100%. But they say that the nurse saw Samuel walk out on his own. So, like, Jesus? Question mark. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> This is after after the the sheriff um, continually no, told the nurse that she was crazy. Oh yeah, yep. We love that. Invalidate all women. Police officer not believing a woman. Very fitting. Funny, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so who knows? Um, okay. Anyways, so then we see the sheriff at his house again. He's all mopey and sitting outside, and his wife is reading the paper, and she's upset that samuel wasn't actually magical question mark none of this made sense and she starts crying and then someone comes to the door and then um the sheriff gets arrested because he, he was involved in samuel's death but like did i miss something with his wife like what was the storyline is, is it that she wants only to have hope that somebody could heal her <sighs> what what was yeah, that i mean okay the whole episode is um is a is is a discussion about the way people grieve um the way people grieve the way that they grieve by uh seeking out miracles by wanting to believe that miracles are are a possibility to 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 gain some type of closure so i suppose it could be looked at as the loss of that miracle, the loss of the possibility of that miracle, um, you know, meant that her condition was as it was, which was, you know, medically um, incurable. That's all I've got. I mean, that was a good, that was a good stab at it. Better than I have nothing. So that makes sense. It was just so weird. Like, I felt like I really missed something there. I don't know. I mean, honestly, it was just, it was just another opportunity, I think. Yep. To to make a woman's life uh, um, more Painful disadvantaged and, and yep. make another woman vulnerable for no reason. Disgusting. Okay, so Mulder and Scully walk together and chat about what they learned, as they always do. And Mulder's like, I'm going to reiterate what you told me earlier in the episode, and um, Scully, but like, pretend that I came up with the conclusion on my own. And that's the end. I would also like to say that it's funny because... The other episode that we watched, EBE. Yes. Um, that was the good one, right? Yeah. 
Okay, so that one was really good, and they did that callback thing where Mulder repeats a line that Scully had said to him earlier in the episode, proving that he actually is listening to her, that he actually takes in every single word that she says. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so funny to me that Chris Carter then chose to just do that again in the the next episode. He just copied the writer. He's like, oh, that was good. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure that episode did really well. And so he was just like, yeah, let's let's do that again. Like... It's like he does things thinking that he's being really clever and genius, but they're really obvious. They're so obvious. And then, of course, it was really well done in the first one, in the first up in EBE, mm-hmm. because it was Scully giving Mulder invaluable advice that showed that she really cared about him and his well-being. Yeah. And then him relaying that information back to her, proving that he actually did take it to heart and that he actually does value her opinion. Here, it comes off exactly like you said. Yep comes off as him um saying exactly what she said just 10 times louder and then getting the ending dramatic credit for it yeah yep it it didn't read because it wasn't because it wasn't written with the intention of him showing that he listens to her exactly do you know what i mean though like like in ebe it was framed as advice it was framed it was was framed that he he took it to heart yeah here here it's about the case yep it's him just saying the conclusion louder than her. Yeah, it's so stupid. And it's like at the end of literally every single Chris Carter episode, my head hurts. I just, yeah, yeah, literally. It's just jumbled. Everything in there is just all over the place. Papers are everywhere. All my little knickknacks <laughs> are all over the floor. I know. What's the next episode? The next episode is written by a woman. Woo! It's the one, it has remember. to do with like Native American culture. Oh, yeah. Which, which isn't gonna, promising, no, but. Appropriate. Okay. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, that's the next one. Okay. And that's the episode. That's the episode. Can we do Jillian's Corner? Yes, please. Okay. Can we say? Oh, yeah. Ready? Yeah. Jillian's Corner. So this is from an interview that Jillian did sometime after 1999. That's all I know. <laughs> um, so it's the it's an excerpt. So I'll read it. Um, so it says, "So when did she start to feel confident about her looks?" And then Jillian said, "Quote: It took until." the sixth season of the X-Files when a new hair person came on and said, are you sure you want to look like that? And I said, what's wrong with it? She said, I think we need to straighten your hair. You look dowdy. Perfect. (laughs) The pastel suits, the plaid suits, the horrible hairstyles. It had never occurred to me to go from that to the cover of magazines made no sense to me in my twenties and thirties. I just kept thinking I am really pulling the wool over people's eyes. When am I going to be found out? I'm not good enough. All that self depreciating stuff, depreciating, deprecating, deprecating, all that self deprecating stuff. I remember a cover shoot for Jane magazine, feeling such low self-esteem, so much self-criticism that I wasn't able to get out of myself and join in. Last year, I came across that photo shoot and saw this really pretty young girl with short hair who was toned and thin. And I know I was thinking I was, I was too fat at the time, tormenting myself. And yet there were these lovely pictures. I thought, how much time have I wasted in my life beating myself up about how I look? Just to keep things in theme. 
with our Aryan theme um, beginning bit. <laughs> um, it just it just goes to show that like we look at Jillian as this beautiful, just ethereal human being, and even she has moments where she feels absolutely disgusting and hates her body, just like we all do. It, it's the same thing with like with me and Emily, how we wanted the opposite of what the other one wanted. It, it's it's the patriarchy working to make you suffer and everybody experiences it and and as i was trying to find that one i found another part that i think from a different interview that i think will be helpful um because we often resort to this too as as a way to find self-confidence as a way to bring ourselves back up from feeling not our best Mm -hmm. Um, the question was, yet, you know, that we all have needs and weaknesses and bad days. You see it in your friends and your child, and you don't think they're weak or pathetic for that. So why can't you allow the same feeling in yourself? This was for like a psychology magazine. I don't, this wasn't for like fucking glamour, like (laughs) psychoanalyzing her. Um, yeah. So she said, I think that a lot of it has to do with self-esteem and about what, about feeling whether I deserve it or not. Somebody said to me the other day, it's okay to make a mistake. And I literally burst into tears. I just thought, you know what? No, it's not okay. I'm so completely fine with others making mistakes, whether it's friends or my daughter or whoever. I love and admire artists who aren't afraid to make mistakes in public. And I find it deplorable that culturally we're so cruel and unforgiving of it. I'm incredibly open to that concept and forgiving for others. But I realize for me, it's not one it's not one iota, okay? Okay, Jillian. <laughs> what does that mean? Wait, what does that mean? One iota, not a bit, okay. It's like, it's just a measurement. Wait, really? Yeah. Wait, it's just, it's, it's, it means an extremely small amount. Okay. But I realize for me, it's not one iota, okay. Period. Um, and so to bring that up, Something that helps a lot is um, thinking about whatever issue you're going through, thinking about what if a friend came to you or someone that you cared about came to you with what you were feeling, how would you tell them to cope? How would you tell them to get through it? Um, Or even not even someone you care about could be your four-year-old self. literally we talk about this all the time it's like anytime i hear emily talking badly about herself i'm like don't be mean to my friend don't and she calls me out on that shit too because it's just like treating yourself the way you treat your best friend or even when you are in your most uh, self-questioning it's like when you're self-questioning or when you're just like self-sabotaging yeah talking to yourself like you would talk to yourself at four years old would you yell at four-year-old you and be like you're stupid and ugly why are you doing this no you'd probably just hold them while they cried and sometimes it's just all you need to do to yourself you know yeah like we we have to end it there because that was so perfect (laughs) um the point being of this jillian's corner though is that like we look up to jillian as this um, infallible, you know, perfect woman. And the reality of it is, is that she has not seen herself as that, I mean, naturally at at every point in her life. And so to also quote Jillian, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Not that she's not, she was, she was not the original person who said that, but she she likes that quote. She likes that quote. (laughs) (laughs) To quote the Greek philosopher, Jillian (laughs) Anderson. 
<laughs> Does it make an iota of a difference? <laughs> Anyways, love yourselves. Love each other. We love you. We Thank love you. you for listening. I love you. I love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on The Sex Files. The Sex Files. The Sex Files. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>